We're looking today at, still looking today at Philippians in chapter 4. He says, beginning at verse 4, uh, well, we'll start at 1 again, or 2, excuse me. I entreat Yodia and I greet, entreat Yosintiki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to the Lord. Now, I want to focus on, if you look at verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. That means no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstances are, we are to be given thanks to God. And that's one of the things that helps keeps us from being anxious or worried. We give thanks to God because we know that the Lord is already in control. And we trust him because he is God. Um, he says in, uh, what is it, verse uh, yeah, verse four, uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14. He says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So when I'm not thankful... You see what happens? He says, when I'm not thankful, that is a sign that I am a part of the crooked and godless generation. But when I don't complain, Lord, help us, God. When I don't complain, what does that show? That shows that's, that, I am, that I belong to God. That in this generation, in this world, that is full of people who murmur, grumble, and complain about everything, we, the believers, are not complaining. We are giving thanks to God. You see, that's one of the things that sets us apart. So when we look at the scriptures that says, come out from among them and be separate, sanctify Yeshua as Lord in your heart, 2 Peter 3.15. Um, to, be, to be set apart, do not love the world, anything in the world. Grumbling and complaining is a part of that, right? The whole world is complaining about everything, complaining about uh, the finances, complaining about food, complaining about health, complaining about every kind of discomfort, especially in the West where we have everything. We're complaining, 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 complaining. And these people, what, what does the Lord call them? The Lord calls people who complain, what? Crooked and twisted generation. That, yes, that's what they are. The crooked and twisted because all they do is murmur and complain. They don't appreciate God. They're not thankful to God. You see, and so what happens when we're not thankful? So, so before I go there, Paul says what? In everything I do, I need to be what? Thankful. I need to rejoice in the Lord always. Not, in, not in, always in the circumstances, no. Because sometimes the circumstances are difficult, but I rejoice in the Lord who creates the circumstances. The one who is Lord over the circumstances. You see, I rejoice in him. I give thanks to him. And this was part of the problem with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. If we look, at, um, look in, in the Bible, as in, um, we're going to go here and then we're going to go to Exodus real quick. If you look at uh, 
if you look at Exodus the chapter from a uh, chapter 15 onward you find that the people were always grumbling and grumbling and complaining against God but see the thing is is that we miss well why does God allow those things to happen to us um, God brought them out of Egypt and all they did was murmur and complain about their discomfort and their circumstances. They wanted to go back to Egypt. But the bottom line is, is that from those miracles that God showed them, what? He showed them, I can take care of you. So there's no need to murmur or no need to complain because I will always take care of you. No matter what the situation is, I will be with you. I will take care of you. And why does God allow us to go into those situations in the first place, those difficulties, those hardships, um, the suffering, the struggling. Why does he allow that to happen? He says in Deuteronomy, find that verse. He says, Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, and then we'll look at Romans 1. In Deuteronomy 8, 2, this is why the Lord allows us to be put in situations that are difficult and hard on us sometimes. He says in verse uh, Deuteronomy 8, he says the whole commandment, starting in verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way, the whole way, the whole way from Egypt all the way to the borders of Canaan, the whole way. In other words, your whole freed life. What did he do? That the Lord, your God, has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. And those 40 years were full of what? They were full of trials. They were full of testings. There were situations where they didn't have water. There were situations where they didn't have food. God was testing them. He was leading them. You see, and that's what true leadership of the, of the Holy Spirit, he was, he, was, he was testing them. He was testing the people. He was testing the people and uh, putting them through these difficulties, putting them through these circumstances. And why? And, and all the, the murmuring and the complaining was coming out, the rebellion was coming out, and it was being put to death, which tells us that it was a picture their time in the wilderness was a picture of our time being led by the Spirit in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 8. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. He says, but if by the Spirit I put to death the misdeeds of the body, I will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So just as they were led in the wilderness and they had and, and their complaining, their rebellions, the sin was coming up and God was putting it to death. Then the same way the Lord puts us in difficulties and hardships and struggles. Why? So the sin can come up so it can be put to death. When that grumbling and that discontent comes up, the Lord wants to put it to death in us, just like he put it to death among them. He says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. What? Why did he bring you to the wilderness? The place of struggle, the place of no water, the place of no food, the way, the place of discontent and hardship. If you look at the desert, the uh, uh, the, uh, the, the desert places that they went is extremely difficult to live. Why did he do that? Why did he bring them to the place? 
He says that he might humble them. You see, the reason why God puts us in difficult situations is because we're so proud. We're so rebellious. We're so stubborn, hard-headed, don't want to listen to nothing. That's what being proud is. Proud is thinking you can be independent from God and live your life from God. So the Lord brought them into the desert to show them you cannot live without me. You cannot make it without me. And he puts us in difficulties for the exact same reason, to humble us, to show us that we cannot live without him. So he humbles us. And then what does he say? He tests you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. You see, so he tests us. He puts us into very difficult situations, hard situations, hard circumstances. Why? So that way what's inside of our hearts will come out. And then when the sin comes out, what does God do? He puts it to death, right? God, he puts it to death in us. He says, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let, let, let you hunger. He let you go hungry. He put you in situations where you'd be hungry. And then what did he do? He feeds you. He lets you run into financial difficulties. Then what does he do? He provides for us. He says, and he, he, uh, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. To show, so why does God test us? He lets us run into difficulties and po- even financial straits. He lets us run into that. Why? To show us you don't live by material things. You live by my word. And you, we see that repeatedly all throughout the Bible. When the people of Israel were hungry, what happened? They got manna from heaven. When Elijah was hungry and there was, a, there was a famine, no rain in the land, what did God do? God sent a raven to provide for Elijah. Um, Elijah, the same thing. The, 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 uh, the meal didn't run, run out of the vases. On and on, the people were hungry. And what did Yeshua do? He fed them with what? Bread and fish. Right? He fed the 4,000. He fed the 5,000. 6,000. Yeah, right. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. Right? With, with fish and with bread. And we provided for them. Why? To show that whatever God commands by his word, he will perform it. He will deliver. He will always deliver no matter what the situation is. He will always deliver for us. If we live according to his word, he will always deliver for us to show us, I don't live by my job. I don't live by my material things. I live by the word of God in my life, by being obedient to it. That's how I live. We talked about being a kingdom citizen. When I'm obedient to the word of God, all the blessings and benefits of citizenship come to me, come to you, come to us. And so he says, man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Even the centurion had sense enough to realize that. The centurion, when he said, Lord, my servant is sick, he he said, I'll go and heal him. He said, no, you don't even have to come into my roof. He says, all you've got to do is just say the word. Just say it, and he's going to be healed. He says, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to this one, do this, and he does it. And Yeshua, Yeshua saw that faith and was like, wow. He says, I've never seen such faith in all Israel. Why? Because that's exactly how he operates. Everything is under his command. 
All he's got to do is say it and it's so. Just like that. All he's got to do is say it and it is so. And that's what we rejoice in. We praise God. That's why we all we rejoice always. We give thanks always because when the Lord speaks, it is so. It will happen. Just as he said it will happen. He says, and then he says, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He says in verse four of Deuteronomy chapter eight, he says, your clothing, look at how he took care of us. He says, your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. You see that? Look at how God takes care of them. And even in our difficult situations, what happens? Our material needs are still met. It's like, I remember there was a time when I didn't even have a job. I had no income, none coming in. Daddy wasn't working. But what happened? The Lord provided for us. My credit score was still an excellent score. It was still, I mean, I, I mean, and I had no money. I had, no, I had literally no job, no income. And the Lord took care of us. All the bills were paid. All the, everything was taken care of all that time until I started working again. And even after. Because when you're in that wilderness place, the Lord God of heaven will take care of you. And so I wasn't murmuring and complaining. Oh, Lord. Da, da. I mean, the Lord, I was, I, there was some, yeah, I will admit, there was some times I was doing a little murmuring and complaining. But I was praising God too, giving God thanks for his goodness towards us and how he'll take care of us and do good for us. He says, your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. And that's why he brings us into situations that are difficult, not for us to murmur and complain, but it's discipline to get foolishness out of us. And just like when, and, the, and, the, and there's no other way to do it. There's no other way to, t you can't talk it out of a person. You can't give them time out. You can't do any of that. It has to be hardship, struggle, difficulty. That's how you get foolishness out of our hearts. That's how God gets it out of our hearts. Difficulty, hardship, suffering, hard situations, difficult job, difficult spouse, difficult children, difficult friends, difficulty. And it's like going to the gym, going to the gym, you face resistance. That's how you build muscle. You're pushing the, you're lifting weights. You're lifting weights. Those weights are pushing against, working against your muscle fibers. And as you're pulling them up, letting it down, pulling it up, letting it down, that resistance is doing what? Making you stronger. And that's all trials and struggles do is just make you and I spiritually stronger in the Lord. Our will to do our own will gets weakened. Our will to do God's will becomes stronger and stronger. And that's what we want. We want the will to do what pleases God to grow stronger and stronger and stronger in us. And that's why God disciplines us and allows us to go through hardship and difficulty is because he wants the foolishness to get out and holiness to come in. It's just like why we, why you get, why we spank. We spank because we want to get foolishness out and holiness in. Right? That's right. We want to get foolishness out. We want to get holiness in. And so that's, that's exactly what God does for us, except for his spanking is through circumstances. The circumstances, difficulties, situations. He says, do everything without complaining. Rejoice in the Lord always. And that's a scripture that we don't, know, we don't, we don't always obey, is, is uh, rejoicing in the Lord always. Now, this is, the, this is, the, this is uh, what happens when we do not give thanks to the Lord at all times. 
we quickly we quickly slide into idolatry when we are not thankful for what for God and for what he has done for us we quickly 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 slide into uh idolatry and rebellion against God in Romans 1 and verse 18 he says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So in other words, by the, by the very creation of the universe, you know, God is there period. I can look at, I don't have to see God physically uh, to know that he's there. I can look at all creation and see all this design and say, God is there. He created all this. He says, but he says, it was clearly seen. So they are without excuse. He says, for although they knew God, so people knew there was a God, period. Human beings know there's a God, just like today. Human beings know God is there, but we delude ourselves into thinking that God is not there because we want to do what we want to do. We want to live our own life and please ourselves. And so we want to deny God's existence. We want to, people want to deny him. They want to come up with all these ridiculous ideas like evolution uh, and, and uh, atheism. We come from stardust and all this other kind of foolishness. It's nonsense. We were created by God. You can see irreducible complexity in everything. If I were to create a human being, where would I start? Would I start with the brain, the heart, the lungs? Where would I start? The blood vessels? Where do you start? You see why? Because God created all things. This universe hangs, our planet hangs on nothing. All these planets and stars hang on nothing. There's nothing out there holding them up except law. And where did that come from? The word of God. That come from the mouth of God. Irreducible complexity. If I take one thing away, the whole thing falls apart. The earth tilts a little bit to the left, it careens into space. A little bit to the, a little bit to the uh, right, it careens into space. A little bit to the left, we freeze to death from, the, from uh, being too far away from the sun. I'm telling you, it's irreducible complexity. It's a miracle of God that we exist. So anyway, we can look at all creation and see that God is there. We see it. It's plain. He says, but for all that they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him. They weren't thankful. We didn't appreciate the good thing that God has done for us. We weren't, we weren't grateful to him. You see, human, the human race didn't appreciate him. They didn't appreciate what he did. We don't appreciate his goodness. We didn't appreciate the, the wonderful world he gave us. The wonderful life he gave us to make Earth the only place in the universe that can handle plant, animal, and human life. We weren't grateful to him. And so what happened? Because we were not thankful, immediately they became futile in their thinking. That means ignorant, foolish, dumb. Futile means worthless, useless. And that's exactly what that means. It became futile, worthless in their thinking. And that's what happens when we, when we're, when we, when we don't give thanks, that's exactly what happens to us. We become worthless in our thinking. Our thinking is worthless. It has no value. None. We complain, we murmur, we complain. And all the things that we think up in our head 
are useless. God doesn't love me. God doesn't want me. God doesn't care about me. God is not thinking of me. Oh, this person doesn't care about me. That person, well, it's this person's fault, that person's fault. I have no responsibility, blah, blah, blah. All those thoughts are what? Worthless. They're worthless. And this is exactly what happened to them. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became, enough of not thanking God and enough of not appreciating God, you become worthless in your thinking. And what does he say? And their foolish hearts were darkened. So not only does your thinking become worthless, but then it turns from worthless to dark. That means to evil. Once you, when you stop giving thanks to God, when we stop being appreciative of all the good things that he's done for us, for his holiness, for his love, for coming into the world and saving us, for delivering us from the power of Satan and from the power of sin and from the power of flesh, from the penalty of hell, when we stop thanking him for all his love and his goodness, we move from worthless thinking to wicked thinking. We move to completely wicked, abject-based wicked thinking. And that's exactly what happened to these people here. He says they're thinking, uh, he says they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became what? Fools. So you became, you become dark in your thinking. You become foolish in your thinking. He says, and, and then what happens? You, be, you claim to be wise, but you become a fool. You start to say, well, God isn't there for me. God stops. God doesn't love me. I'm just going to do what I want to do. God's not there. I'm going to live my own life. And then you start following to, and into idolatry. He says, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. He says, therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. You see, and that's what happens. When I stop being thankful to God, it changes how I live my life. I stop wanting to be holy. I stop wanting to be pure. I stop wanting to be godly. That's what happens. When I'm not thankful and appreciative of what Christ has done for me, I then turn the grace of God into what? A license to sin. That's what Jude 1 is all about. He said they turn the grace of God into licentiousness, a license to do evil. He says what? So when I'm not thankful, that's exactly what happens. I fall into idolatry. He says, therefore, and then as I keep this up, as I keep this up, not being thankful to God, because that's all rebellion is. All rebellion is, is not being thankful for what the Lord has done for us. It's just a lack of appreciation. So what does he say? Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to what? Impurity. He gave them up. Oh, well, fine. This is the direction you're going to go in. You want to persist in rebelling against me. You're not appreciative of what I've done. And because you're not appreciative, you want to live your own life and go your own way and follow your own plan and do what you want to do and live to please yourself. Fine. I'm going to give you up to that. You're going to suffer the consequences of your choices. And that's what you and I do. When we go our own way, when we choose to follow our own plan, when we choose to do our own, follow our own path and make up in our mind what we want to do, instead of following the Lord and being thankful out of thankfulness and gratitude for what he's done for us, then what happens? He says, fine, have it, have it, go for it. Do your own will and see where that takes you. That's exactly right. He says, therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. What happens to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie 
and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. And then it goes even further. It goes even further. Ingratitude takes you even further down. He says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. So homosexuality, lesbianism and, uh, and being living a homosexual life ultimately result root is the root of it is and one of the roots of it because Ezekiel also gives us some origins too is ingratitude to God all sin is unthankfulness to God but unthankfulness to God takes you into deeper and baser and more wicked sin that's where it leads it leads you all the way to homosexuality you see that's where it all started they did not give thanks to him and what did that lead to that ultimately led to worthless thinking foolish thinking, wicked thinking, homosexual thinking, lesbian thinking. You see, it takes you all the way down to hell. That's what we're looking at here. Receiving in themselves a due penalty for their, and verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, worthless mind, foolish mind, homosexual mind, lesbian mind, debased mind. To do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. This is all unthankfulness to God now. Put unthankfulness to God there. It's evil. It's covetous. You become full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous degree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. You see, so the bottom line here is, is that when you and I are not thankful to God, when we will not give thanks to him for waking us up in the morning, for providing for us, for taking care of us, for helping us get victory over sin in our inner life. When we don't appreciate him and what he's done for us, when we don't thank him, it leads to a whole world of what? Sin and evil behavior. It leads us straight into hell. And that's the point that Romans chapter 1 is telling us. Romans 1, 18 to 32. When we are not thankful to the Lord, it will take us straight to hell. Our ingratitude, our unthankfulness will take us straight to hell. And that's exactly where we don't want to go. We want to rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. We want to give thanks to the Lord. How often? Always. We want to appreciate him. What? Always. And it doesn't mean that we're not honest. Lord, this hurts. I'm hurting. But Lord, I thank you because you're just. And you're good. And everything you do is right. As Nebuchadnezzar said, everything he does is right. And all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. That's in Daniel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We give you thanks. And we rejoice in you. And we praise you. Because all we have comes from you. Our very existence is because of you. Our very lives is because of you, Lord. And the question is, how are we supposed to respond to that? 
we're supposed to respond with thanksgiving and appreciation by our words, by our deeds, by our lifestyle, Father. Thanking you and appreciating you for all that you do for us, how you keep us and how you love us. Help us, Heavenly Father, to live lives of gratitude before you by walking humbly and obediently before you, Lord. We want to surrender our will to you. Separate us from our self-will, Lord. The circumcision, let us be circumcised in our hearts, Father. Let the self-will be cut away so all we'll do is your will. We love you and praise you in your holy name, Yeshua. Amen.